0: Alright, can't say I've ever preached from the ocean before, but this is kind of cool. Here among the waves, so great to see all of you here been an awesome week. I know we've got a lot of uh, tired volunteers, those who've been serving, and and uh, and it's just been so worth it. It's been so much fun to be in here with the kids, and the elementary was here, the preschool was was upstairs. All throughout the church, there's so much activity in this building all week. It was fantastic, and, and uh, I know we've thanked uh, some of the coordinators and leaders. I just want you to thank all of those that served, um, dozens and dozens of people through this church, students, others. Give them a big round of applause for pouring into for pouring into the kids. I also just want to take a moment just to welcome all of you parents as well. Maybe you're here for the first time today. Uh, maybe you're, you're returning again. It is just so good to have you here. Thank you for entrusting your kids to Meadow Park for the, this week. And on Sundays with Park Kids, it's really an honor and a privilege to pour into them. So if you haven't picked up on it yet, what was the theme for Vacation Bible School? Make waves, right? Making waves. And so one of the things that you can do is you, we can make waves. And, and I don't know that we've ever done this before at Meadow Park, but I want to make a wave this morning. And uh, and so, yes, we, I'm going to point to you. We're going to start on this end over here. And when I point to you, you're gonna, you can stand, stand up if you want or just put your hands up. And we're going to make the wave go back and forth a couple times. And, and we tried doing this with the kids, and so kids help out on this too, all right? On the count of three, we're going to start the wave over here. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Moving around, moving around, moving around, moving around, moving around. And I'm splashing back, coming back through, coming back through. Now that you got it, we'll do it one more time, one more time, one more time. All right, all right. See? Awesome. Awesome, God. Give, yourself, give yourselves a hand. How many times have you been in church where you got to do the wave? Well, that was pretty awesome. We're making waves. And what we learned and, and, and the theme that came through is what you do today can change the world around you. What you do today can change the world around you. And the key verse that we, we looked at earlier, we saw, "Whoever believes in me," the kids learned it. "Rivers of living water will flow from within them." It's been so great to pour into kids and to let them know that, that when God's spirit is alive in you, when you believe in Christ, when you believe in that transformation, The river of living water flows through you. You're alive with the life of Christ, with God's spirit flowing through you. And when you do that, you can change the world around you. Teaching them things like God created you. He made you with a purpose. You can trust Jesus. You can give your life to him. You can make a difference in others' lives by the way that you love them and care for them. And we get to pour these truths into these kids not just during Vacation Bible School, but, but all uh, every week when we're here. Every Sunday through Park Kids and through our student ministry, we love making a difference in the lives of kids. So we want to make some waves. <clears throat> okay. We get excited to make waves when we're younger, right? Love making waves. But what happens when we become adults? Who puts up the sign at a swimming pool, no splashing? <laughs> Is it the kids? Or is it the adults? The adults, right? There's something about when we get older as adults, all of a sudden it goes from, here's a pool. Now don't have any fun in it, right? No splashing. I'm on my raft. I want to float. I want to just rest and relax. Don't get me wet, right? We get into this mode of of don't, don't do this, don't do that. Don't rock the boat. Don't make any waves. Don't upset what's happening. And, And somehow as we get older, we just kind of get complacent in that way. And then there's always the one kid, right? At least one love, who does what? The cannonball, <laughs> right? The cannonball. How many of you are a cannonballer or are sitting by a cannonballer, right? <laughs> there's something about doing a cannonball that just says, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to make a splash. I'm going to make some waves. I'm going to cause what I do here to begin to make other people take notice, and something happens, and we want to make some waves. And I think we need some more cannonballers, some more people who are willing as they get older to say, we want to we make some waves. We want to make a difference in someone else's life. Because you know who was a cannonballer? <laughs> Jesus was a cannonballer. <laughs> you don't think about Jesus. You Oh, meek and mild Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. Jesus came in a way that upset the religious institutions of his day. He upset the Roman Empire so much so that they had to execute him, saying, this man is dangerous. He made waves through, through and through in people's lives. When the early church began, and we read about that in the, in the Bible, they began making incredible waves throughout the entire Middle East. And as Jesus told them, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we're still riding that tsunami of change and that ripple effect of change to this day. Because when we're followers of Christ, when the rivers of living water flow in us, we don't just sit back. We don't just get quiet. We don't just get silent, be quiet, and just hole up in our church and in our homes and be like, "Mm, meek and mild. No. We're here to make an impact. We're here to make a difference in the lives of people all around us. That phrase, what you do today can change the world around you. Can we really change the world? I mean we hear that. Can you really change the world? And then maybe you're sitting there, maybe you're thinking, again, as we get older, especially, ah, not me. World change that happens with, you know, leaders and government and politicians and political leaders. That happens with those with money and resources. Business moguls, celebrities, those with a platform, maybe a big social media following. They can change the world, but me? No, nah, not really. I don't know. We overbill this all the time. You can change the world, right? It's a good rallying cry, but how many of us kind of go, ah, I don't know? Does the world really need change? Maybe we feel like I don't even know that the world needs to change. And if it does, I don't really know if I'm the one that needs to do anything about it. And I'll be quite honest. I think some of us, especially living in, in suburban America, we don't really care. Because you know what? I don't want my world to change. I've got my house. I've got my car. I've got my job got my 401k. I can take nice vacations. Actually, I don't want the world to change because I've got it really good and I kind of like it the way it is. So just kind of leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Let me live my life and let me go out in the sunset quietly. Am I talking to anyone? It's so easy to fall into that. It's so easy to get into that and then not make any waves. Don't rock the boat. Don't stir things up. But what are we really saying? We say change the world. It does feel overwhelming, right? How are we, how am I, how is Mark Krenz going to change the world? How are you going to do that? But that's what I love about this phrase is that what you do today can change the world around you. You can make a difference around you. You may not change the world right now in one fell swoop, but you can begin and change the world around you. And and I was just uh, made aware of this in a a very difficult way this week. Uh, Noah, who plays uh, our our drums over here and and is involved in worship on our team, great guy, He's up here with the Waves dancers, right? He actually came in last Monday with a real heavy heart and shared with us about a, a difficult story about his friend, Michael. Here's a picture of, of Michael. I think we have that up. And Michael's 19 years old, and he was up in, uh, in Michigan at, with some friends, Lake Michigan, and he was out. They're, they're, they're having, you know, just doing vacation on the beach, and he got out in some really rough waters, uh, somehow hit his head or got unconscious on some rocks. We don't know the whole story, but he drowned. 19 years old, he drowned, and, and, and it's this tragedy, and how did the friend, his friends are dealing with that? How's Noah dealing with that? His family, a life taken way too soon, and, and as Noah shared that with us, he shared that with heavy heart, but he also shared this with us. He said, you know what? Michael was the first guy I got to baptize. I mean, how cool. This is Noah baptizing Michael. Noah and, and Michael were in a, Michael was in a small group, and it was an honor for when, when Michael asked Noah, would you be a part of my baptism? Would you baptize me? And then being a part of that leading him to Christ and having that story of faith shared together. And you say, what, what difference can we make in the world? Where can we make a change? Change begins around us. That life and Michael's life wasn't just changed now. It's changed for eternity. There's a hope in eternity. There's a hope of being reunited. And I would guarantee you that Michael would say, Noah, you made a difference in my life. You helped change my world. And through that change, other people around us. We can change the world. Today, what I want to talk about is we've got us together here today as families. I want to talk about this today. Changing the world begins at home. Changing the world begins at home. We think sometimes changing the world, all these things out there, world hunger and climate change and, and, and all these issues and, and save the whales and, and help with this cause and who knows what else needs changing. Changing the world begins at home. And I want to look at God's word here in a moment. Let's just take a, um, take a moment to pause and just ask God to speak to us. Just, just take a moment and ask God to speak. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of, of, of adventure and of changing the world. God, today, would you help us as we open our hearts to hear your spirit speak to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with this statement here. God created the family as the first and primary vehicle to pass down truth and faith. Of all the things that God wanted us to do, all the ways he was going to change the world, he began by creating the family, saying this is the place where it begins, the first and primary vehicle of truth and faith that gets handed down. You know how I also know this in the example? is when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, he didn't send him as a full-grown man. He sent him as a baby and placed him in the arms of Mary and Joseph. Jesus didn't come to this earth fully, you know, full knowledge. He wasn't like a baby that knew, you know, how to do calculus and and already like float in the bathtub. Mary couldn't get him under the water, you know, to really clean him up. No, I mean, he was a child. And he was placed in their arms, into their hands to be raised. We read about it in Luke chapter 2, 51 and 52. Then Jesus returned to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph, and he was obedient to them. Now, for all you parents in the room that have kids in the room, let me just make this point for all you kids. Do you see what Jesus did to his parents? He was obedient to them. All right, parents, something for the kids. There's something powerful about being obedient. Scripture says when you obey your parents, when you honor them, you'll have a long and fruitful life. So Jesus was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. And here's what it says. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Because of his obedience, because of the nurture and care of Mary and Joseph, Jesus not only physically grew in stature, but also in wisdom, in knowledge, and understanding there was something being imparted into him by his parents, by his family. And God understood this. That's why we know children are like sponges, right? They absorb everything. Everything we say, everything we do, the actions, the habits, the behaviors. So much of who we are impacts our kids in the next generation. That's why so many of us as adults are sitting on a counselor's couch, right? We're dealing with our past. We're impacting things either from our childhood or from our homes or from issues that we've had with a mom or dad or or the challenges that are there. So both positively and negatively, we can have that influence. But I want to talk about four ways today as we talk about changing the world at home. How do we do that beginning at home? In the Old Testament, There's a book called Deuteronomy. If you read Deuteronomy, a lot of it's not going to be super exciting for you. It's about the laws that were there for the people of God and and how they would function as as a society and what they should do. And and this, um, this is a passage here in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, that was very, very foundational. It begins like this Listen, O Israel, which was the people of God, the Israelites, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. In some translations, the Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you're on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I want to pack this a little bit because I think there's some really powerful things that are key for us in passing down the faith and changing the world, beginning right in our homes. And the first one is this. You must know the truth. You have to know the truth. Parents, families, in your home, what are you grounded in? That, that, that verse, the first two verses there, that was called the Shema. It was prayed multiple times throughout the day as this constant reminder, that foundational truth, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, the Lord is one. You see, there's a lot of confusion. We can't change the world and our kids' lives around us when we don't know the truth. When we're constantly looking for truth in different places, in different ways, if we're looking for it from Hollywood or from government or from Washington or from Wall Street, we're not finding the truth. And if we're not anchored in the truth, we can't possibly lead our families in the truth. So where do we ground ourselves? In the truth. This is foundational. And this is the direction for our lives. This is the commands that God gives us. This is why we turn to Scripture. It's why we gather every week here to open the Bible, these ancient truths revealed to us by the creator of the universe who knows us who made us who knows what this life is all about we say this is the truth there is only one god not many gods not many ways to god there is one god and a way to him is through Jesus Christ and that is truth and we bank our lives on it we ground ourselves in that truth there's one god he is one and you shall love the lord how it's a relationship a love it's not just the knowledge love the lord heart soul mind strength everything you have He's longing for that relationship, and that is the foundational truth that we build our life on. And when we have this truth as families, as in our homes, saying, kids, we are not backing down. This is truth. This is what we base our lives on. It all comes from him. That's when we can begin to really discover the best life God has for us. John eight thirty one. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, who believed the truth about him, you are truly my disciples if you remain, what, faithful to my teachings. And you will know the what? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you want to make some waves, if you want to bring change into this world, you have to begin with the truth, because that's what you're following. That's what you're pouring out, and that truth is going to lead to freedom for you, for your family, and for your kids. And once you're grounded in that truth, the very next thing that God says here in, in, in Deuteronomy He says in in verse 6, And now you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. So the second part is this. Model a growing relationship. Model a growing relationship with Jesus. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly. And I'm going to ask you parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, people here, how wholeheartedly are you committed to these truths? Because this is the foundation. Commit yourselves. Model a growing relationship with Jesus. This is the personal cannonball. This is saying I'm all in. When we have baptisms here, our shirts say all in. God, I give you everything. I'm basing my life on this truth and now I'm gonna model it. I'm gonna live this out. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. Could we say this as adults to the kids around us? And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I wonder if as parents we should write this scripture somewhere where we could see it. So you should imitate me Just as I imitate Christ. Two important parts, not just imitate me and all the things that I do, but as I am imitating Christ, as I'm looking to Christ and trying to model my life in that way, you imitate me too. And you might say, well, time out, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I mess up. I make mistakes. Yes, model how you handle mistakes, model how you find your way forward and how you find your way back to God. That is all right. It is not about perfection, but that you're showing, I'm making an effort to grow. I'm trying to learn what it's like. I'm trying to imitate Christ. Now, kids, those around me, imitate me. Because our kids, the example they're going to see of Christ in their life isn't necessarily what they read through Scripture. The first example they're going to see is you. is you, and we're being called to imitate and to, be, to, to model Christ, to model God's love in our homes, and that transforms our kids. No, you're not perfect. But what do they see in you? Do they ever see you talking about Scripture do they ever see you reading your bible? Do they ever see you praying? Do they see how you serve others? Do they see when how you react when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Do they see how you react when you talk about what happened at work and what your boss did? What do they see? What do they hear? That's the thing that's going to shape them more than anything else in this world. I'm so thankful for my home. I'm so thankful for my parents and what I got to see. Not just my dad was a preacher. <laughs> I can't really recall a lot of his sermons, you know, and I sat under him every single week. But you know what I remember? I remember walking into his office sometimes, and there he was on his knees praying. That sticks with you as a kid. When you walk in and you hear him praying for you or praying for the family, it sticks with you. It sticks with me when I see my parents in retirement now. After they have their breakfast, they get out their Bible, they get out their daily bread, they read, some, they read a devotional. They take the next place where they're at the Bible, and they continue to read. And then they stop and they pray for each of their four kids and their spouses, their 15 grandkids, their two great grandkids, every single day by name, continuing to do that. They're living it, they're modeling it. And so what we see makes a difference, right? What we often say, more is caught than taught. So we ground ourselves in the truth and then we model a growing relationship with Christ. And if that means I'm just starting, or if that means kids, I don't know God, I'm, I'm trying to learn him, I, I learn about him, I'm, I don't know the Bible, I'm trying to learn more, I'm, I'm in process with it. That. just, that's where you're at, but you're beginning to model, saying, I'm trying to imitate Christ, I'm moving in that direction. The third is this, lead your family to follow Jesus. So it's not just about now doing it yourself, but now actively leading them in that, because what did that next verse say? It says, repeat these things to your children, right, over and over again, Talk about that. When are we supposed to talk about it? Only Sunday morning on the way home from church? No, in the morning when you get up. At night when you get, go to bed. Oh, wait, when you leave your house. Oh, and when you come back from your house. And you're coming and in you're going. In the outside of your house. On the outside, inside. This is a part of who we are. We're living this. We're modeling this. We're, we're, we're speaking about it. Ephesians 6.4 says this. Bring your children up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Not what the latest Google article says. Not what, you know, the thing that you're reading about in this latest book that was written. Now there's good advice out there. But the bottom foundation is bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Where do we find that instruction? In God's word. And this passage in Ephesians is actually even specifically directed towards fathers. The important role that we have as dads in the formation, the spiritual formation of our kids is huge. It cannot be understated how much we can shape their character and who they're becoming and, and what they're seeing, it's so important that we bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How do you do that? Well, just read, read your Bible with your kids. I remember, all, especially the years when the kids were younger, like every night we'd read part of a Bible story or a book, we'd talk to them, we'd pray, pray together. You do those things, you begin to have some of those habits, and maybe that's uncomfortable, maybe you don't know, and you say, Hey, kids, I don't know, we've, we haven't ever prayed at our dinner table before, but uh, beginning today, I'm going to start. Um, God, thanks for our food. We love you. Amen. That's a great start. Begin. Start where you're at and start saying, Lord, I don't know, I'm going to do this. I want to teach my kids. I want us to do this together. I want to practice some of these things. Maybe it's, it's, it's what you listen to. Maybe you just have some Christian music on. Maybe you play that in your car in different ways to remind yourself that there's other influences. Now, you don't have to listen to Christian music 24-7. I can't do that. I get tired of Christian music and worship music at times. That's not sacrilegious. Is it? If not, I'm going to need some counseling because I mean I, I like myself some 80s rock once in a while, you know? Okay? So it's not, don't, don't get into this mode where it's all like it's just inundated. But But are there some of those influences? What are you allowing in? I think one of the things is, as parents, we're very careful of, of locking the doors at night and who we let into our homes and, and who are our kids friends with. But where else we need to be really guardians and, and, and guarding with is what do we allow in through our homes, through our screens? What do we allow through digital devices? How are we, are we shaping our kids and, and protecting them and guarding them as we're helping them take these steps in their life? Now, there's no hard and fast rules on this, and every family has to figure out what it is. I know for our family, it's like we just said, all right, no phones until you're at least 12. Our 11-year-old doesn't like that very much, but she's getting close, and she's getting excited. But it's one of those, and maybe it should be 13, maybe it should be, 10, I don't know. But for us, that's the reason we want to keep in touch with them as they start going to middle school and having that access. But you know what? They're not going to have any social media apps on their phone, period. No social media apps. You know, my, my girls, only in the, the older two, in the second half of high school, when they're you know, 15 or so, we started letting them have a couple social media apps. And, you know, did they miss out all through middle school by not having all the drama that was on social media? Absolutely not. Now, as they get older, we have to turn more of that responsibility over to them that what becomes as an external reinforcer becomes internal. But you begin to set some of those boundaries. We set time restraints. You know what? Their phone's shut down at, like, 10 o'clock or whatever. That The only thing they can do is, like, you know, text mom and dad. And it doesn't go back on until 6 o'clock in the morning. Are we militant, vigilant, awful parents? No, we're really good parents. Yeah, we're really good parents. I'm, I don't mind saying that. We're good parents. we got great kids. Now, it's not always a guarantee. But you do those things. You say some things. I'm going to make some, you know, some ground rules. Other people say, oh, that's legalistic, whatnot. There are no hard and fast rules, but you need to think through, again, we need to think through, how are we helping our kids? Not only do we know the truth, are we transformed by it? How are we leading them, guiding them in those decisions? Do we ever talk about, you know, you, know, you don't want to be the one who's always spouting Bible verses, but sometimes it's like, you know, as followers of Christ, that's just not what we do. And I think one of the most powerful things, you know, that, that we can do together as a, as a family is, um, is just to, to live that out and to, to declare that and saying, this is who we are. I love, this, um, I love this verse in, in Joshua 24. It's one of my favorites. We have it um, in our house as you, as you come in. It says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying to the people, and he's declaring to them, He say, Make a decision. What are you gonna, who are you going to follow? What truth? Are you going to live this out? And what about your family? As for me, but get that last that next line, and my house. As a parent, you declare for your house who you will follow and what you will do. This whole idea of I'm going to let my kids just choose and I don't want to force church on them and I don't want to you know, make them have to do this or the other, that is garbage. Get that out of your thoughts. If you, have been, if you know the truth, if you have been transformed by the truth and it's the way to life, you're an awful parent if you say I'm not going to have my kids know this truth. They have to figure it out on their own. If you know the best thing in life, why wouldn't you pour that in? And now you can't make them followers of Christ. They're going to have to make that choice. But as for me and my house, as long as you're under my roof, as long as we exist together, we are following the Lord. If you sit in the back corner with your arms crossed, you're coming to church with me. It doesn't matter. If you don't want to hear the word of God, I'll read it. If you don't pray while we pray, we're still praying. As for me and my house, this is what we do. All right, it's so important and it begins to change the trajectory of our families. And that leads me right into the fourth point here dive fully into the church, God's spiritual family. I cannot underestimate, understate how important it is to be vitally involved in the church. Of course, you'd expect me to say that I'm the pastor, right? This is for you. This is for you, this idea of raising your kids to know and to love God, but not to, not to be involved with God's spiritual family? That's impossible. Ephesians 1, uh, 1, verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This gave him great pleasure. He adopted us into a spiritual family. We need each other, we need the church. God called us to be connected to one another, this idea of I'm just going to raise my family at home and each one will learn what faith they want to learn. No, in my home, this is what we do. We're going to church. We're doing this together. And this is God's spiritual family. I know for me how important, for me and Shannon, how important it is that we have the church around us as we've raised our kids through the different ages and stages. When they've been in park kids and have other teachers and leaders pouring into them, vacation Bible school, have an, to have other adults, and now in, in, uh, in our youth student ministry, the coaches that come around that are also adults that are, that are reinforcing good morals, good values, that are fun, that are, that are as, uh, an ear to listen to, that can give advice that, that maybe aren't, isn't heard from us at this stage. It takes a community. It's why we get to join together as adults here while kids are often in, with, with park kids, and I get to pour in, and we get to pour in Truths to help you as a family to grow, to be around others, to find that encouragement, to find that hope, to know we're surrounded by others. Again, it's this idea of, you know, I don't want to force my kids to come to church. Especially when I start hearing that in, in middle school and high school, it breaks my heart to hear that. So instead of sending your kid to a place, to go to a camp or a convention or somewhere where they're going to hear God's truth, they're going to be around others who love them, they're going to make some friends, but because they didn't want to go, you're saying, I'm not going to make them go. You know what What happened? They missed out completely. I've been a youth pastor for a lot, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years, and those kids, it happened every year, like, oh, um, my kid doesn't want to go to camp. And I just would beg him, please, just, just make him go. Oh, I don't want to make them go, they'll hate church and resent me. Trust me, just make them go. You know what happens with that kid that goes like this, kicking and screaming? Usually by the time the bus arrives at camp, they're having a good time. And if not then, by the next day they start meeting some folks. And as they're sitting and they're hearing the word of God, as they're worshiping, as they're playing, as they're given time, God begins to work, God begins to move, and those kids begin to grow in their faith, put them in places and spaces where God can transform them. And the church is a part of that. Do not decide on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, let's decide whether or not I go to church. Bad decision. You know what going to church is? It's a pre-made decision. It is a habit. It is a ritual. It is what we, it's just what we do. Sunday morning comes, we don't ever, you save yourself a lot of mental energy in having to decide what you're going to do on a Sunday when you know it's Sunday, I'm going to church. It's what we do. First day of the week, first hour of the week, I give God my first. And as a family, this is what we do. I want you to get this too. You start creating an environment for your family that's this is who we are, this is what we do. When you start leading in that way, when you start laying those foundations, it changes the trajectory of your family. I love even hearing this this morning and seeing, I heard like four generations are together right here in the front row. Four generations sitting together in church, right? Isn't that awesome? This morning, yeah, give them a hand. I mean, there's others here. I think about the pilgrims and the Yakis and you guys and the kids and the generations that are here. How awesome is that together, passing down the faith? That's the ripple effect that happens. And it's not just saying, hey, we've got our, our physical family. We don't need church. No, we're part of a spiritual family. And that's when God blesses and that's when God moves. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Full stop. Full stop. And you will see the difference in the trajectory in your own life and in your family's life. And that's our heart and that's our desire that rivers of living water would flow from within, not just your kids, but in you. And what God can do through us as a community. And when change begins at home, when we know the truth, when we commit ourselves to that truth, when we pass that on to our kids and we connect to a church body together, it's amazing the wave that can begin to happen. The ripple effects that go out from our our family to our church family to the community around us. And what we do together as a body here in this church. How awesome to raise the equivalent of $13,000 for a food pantry. If you kept your kid at home that week, I I guarantee you, you wouldn't have been a part of that, right? It's how we work together to make things happen. We need some more cannonballers. (laughs) We need some more cannonballers in your home right now. With your kids, with your grandkids, with kids in your life. To say, I'm going to make a wave. I want to influence. I want to model it. I want to share it. And I want to be a part of a church that does that. And we want to make that happen. When you give, when you invest here, in our park kids, in our student ministry, in our children's center each and every day, these are the places and the ways that we can be that influence in kids' lives in a powerful way. And so today as we close, I just want you to, I want you to close your eyes and I just want you to reflect for a few moments. And I want you to think through Some of these pieces we've talked about, where are you in relation to truth? What about when it comes to a growing relationship with Christ? Where are you in that process? What step can you take? Is there something God is stirring in you about a step you can take with your family at home to maybe say, you know what, we're going to pray together at the dinner table or whatever that next step is for you? Maybe he's speaking to you about just your connection to his family, the church, and how you can really fully dive in in that way. Let's just take a few moments and reflect on that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these families that are gathered here today, some who've, who, whose kids have long left the house, but they're still moms, they're still dads, they still have influence. Some whose kids are young and small and maybe don't even understand uh, English yet, they're still learning their first words, and everywhere in between. Lord, help us not just to have kids learn that they can make waves and make a difference, but God may begin with the adults as well, may begin with us. Father, I pray that you would help us see a vision for our family, a vision for our kids, where we see them knowing you, growing you, that they are spiritually alive. And Father, that we don't underestimate our role in that. God, give these parents today, especially, courage. Give them boldness. Help them in difficult times. God, would you just, just help them to impart this beautiful truth of who you are into the lives of their kids, that they would see it in them. They would not be discouraged with what's going on in the world around them and the influences that seem to be overwhelming. But God, that your word has always been true, has always brought about life change, always leads us to truth and to freedom. Give us the courage to walk in that, to model that for our families and to be able to say with full confidence as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Help us as a church to support the families, the kids, the students in so many different ways. Lord, we're so thankful for this place and the opportunity to grow in faith together at whatever place we're at to walk this journey with you. We give you thanks and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.